0: Hello and welcome to yours truly, Johnny Dollar from OTRGold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. From Hollywood, it's time now for Johnny Dollar.
1: Mike, dear Johnny, any sign of Kathy?
2: No, the boys at the highway turnoff haven't seen her or Benny either one. Not a soul out that way in the last hour. What about there at the sawmill? Nothing, Mike. No fresh tracks on the logging road. No sign of her. And the worst thing is, it's starting to snow again. Yeah.
1: Town too. Dan Martin just phoned. No luck. She hasn't shown up at any of the roadblocks. She's she's around somewhere, and we've got to find her. We will, Mike. And it's got to be fast, Johnny. There's a blizzard coming up, and that gunman Benny Stark is around too. Maybe he's already found her. Maybe he even took her from the house, her and Jill both. Maybe she
2: didn't get scared and run. Maybe it was him. Maybe she. Mike, stop it... it. That kind of thing is not going to help any. Well, what is going to help? I don't know, but I've got a half-baked idea, and I may be right. Stay there at the house. I'm coming back to pick you up. And one thing you can do while you're waiting. What, Johnny? Pray.
0: Tonight and every weekday night Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Brambury, Michigan, to the home office, Tri-Mutual Insurance Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Nick Shern matter. Or more important, find Kathy O'Dare. Item 12 on expense account, $4.90. A tank full of gas for the county pickup I'd borrowed from Deputy Sheriff Dan Martin. The falling snow was thickening now, and the wind was rising and steadying in the northwest. The night had all the makings of a blizzard. And wherever Kathy and her daughter had gone, we had to find them before it hit. It was 10.14 p.m. when I pulled up at the side porch of the Odair house, and Kathy's father came hurrying out to the truck, leaving the door open behind him and buttoning his heavy mackinaw as he ran. Any news, Mike? Not a thing. All right, get in. Shut the door.
1: We'll get a foot of snow before morning,
2: with a zero wind behind it. Now listen, Mike. I think we can forget any idea that Benny found her and got her out of the house. In that case, she wouldn't have taken your car. He's already got one. I know. I thought of that. And he wouldn't have given her time to dress herself in jail the way she did, with heavy clothes and snow boots. And she wouldn't have taken the rifle. Then what has happened? She knew I'd be there to talk to her sometime this evening. I think she lost her nerve, couldn't face it, decided to run again.
1: Maybe so, but where, Johnny? That's
2: what I want you to tell me. What? No, I don't mean you knew what she was going to do and where she was going to go. Or then how do you think I can tell you? Look... Kathy knew about the roadblocks Dan Martin set up to trap Benny Stark, knew where they were. So if she didn't want to be seen, then naturally she'd avoid them.
1: She couldn't, not if she wanted to get away, take the highway to Flint or Detroit. She'd have to pass
2: one of them at least. But she hasn't passed any of them, so she's still in this area. And I don't think she ever meant to leave it. But then... Dan the... Martin said Kathy used to spend a lot of time in the woods when she was growing up. He said she knew every back trail in these hills, logging camps, trappers' cabins. She did. She used to
1: worry that Dickens
2: enemy be the way she... Yeah. Now, where would she go, Mike, if she wanted to hide out back in the hills somewhere?
1: There's a lot of places. Chippewa Canyon's one. Three or four timber camps abandoned in the winter. Some cabins along the... No, no, she couldn't make it. There's a roadblock before you get to the turn off there. It's got to be
2: some place she could reach without being seen.
1: Well, there's there's Barker's Flats. Oh, but that's 12 miles a foot trail. She wouldn't try it in this weather. Not, Not with Jill along, anyway. And then there's... Lake Pine. No, it's over the other way. Pine Lake Road. Where's that? Runs northwest of town. Not much better than a wagon road. Dan didn't put a block on it because it dead ends at the lake about five miles an hour. What's out there? Nothing at the lake, but you can go on up Pine Creek about four miles on foot, and there's some cabins. Maybe a waste of time, Johnny. Let's but... get
2: going. Expense account, item 13, $6.90. One dry cell electric lantern, an extra pair of batteries picked up at the Brambury Hardware Company on the way through town. The falling snow, driven by a bitter cold wind, formed a dense curtain in front of our headlights. And from the turnoff all the way up the narrow twisting road to Pine Lake, I had to keep the truck in second gear. There were car tracks in the road, all right, several of them. But they were covered now by the new blanket of snow. And it was impossible to tell whether they'd been made earlier tonight or a week ago.
1: The road ends a couple of yards past this next turn.
2: We'll soon know.
1: There's four or five side turnoffs. Clearance where where you can park. We'll have to check all of them, I guess. All right. That draw there on the right, that break there in the trees, that's
2: that's where the Pine Creek Trail starts. Well, we'll swing in it. Mike, I guess we won't have to check those turnoffs. Huh? Is that your car over there under the trees? Yeah. That's it. I left Mike waiting in the cab while I went over to look inside the car. It was empty, abandoned, and there was no note, no clue of any kind to tell where Kathy had gone. I raised the hood and felt the motor block, ice cold. The car had been here for some time. I flashed the lantern on the ground and followed the faint tracks made by two pairs of snowboats. They entered the deep draw that led back into the hills, the start of the Pine Creek Trail. I snapped off the lantern and stumbled through the snow back to the truck. What'd you find, Johnny? It's them, all right. They've headed up the trail. I found tracks in the snow. Well, then we'd better get started on. Oh, no, wait. I'll go after them, Mike. You take the truck, go into town, find Dan Martin, bring help as fast as you can. That storm's getting worse. No, you don't. I know the risk, starting up that trail with a blizzard coming on. And if you think you're going to protect me by sending him. Knock it off, Mike. There's no time, and you're wrong. I'm not protecting you, I'm protecting myself. What do you mean? That bum leg of yours. I don't want you on my hands, too, along with the girls. All right, Johnny. I'll go after Dane. And hurry, Mike. I'm depending on you. Yeah. Good luck, Johnny. See you, Mike. I stood there in the snow watching the headlights of the truck move away. Finally, they swung around the bend and disappeared. And I suddenly felt more alone than I ever had in my life. I'd gotten rid of Mike deliberately, sent him away on purpose, because I hadn't told him everything. I could see no point in tearing his heart out. There was another car parked on beyond Kathy's, nearly hidden by the trees. Jed Wharton's station wagon. The car that had been stolen by a killer named Benny Stark. It took me half an hour to cover the first mile, and the storm kept getting worse. The beam of the lantern penetrated a bear 30 feet ahead of me before it was smothered out in the white blackness of the night. After a few hundred yards, the tracks I was trying to follow had nearly disappeared. over were blotted out. I gave up looking for them and stuck to old Mike's description of the trail, following the left bank of the frozen creek. The drifts were deeper down along the creek bottoms, and the going was rougher. But I didn't dare leave it to look for better footing was my only landmark. The trail itself was buried. Any man who lost his way tonight and wandered off into one of those side gullies would wander straight to his death. An hour passed. Then an hour and a half, or two hours maybe. I lost all track of time and distance. The wind cut through my clothes, and the numbing cold crept into me deeper and deeper Gradually, the walking, stumbling, breathing, even thinking... ...became automatic and without feeling. The world itself seemed to narrow down to a tiny circle close around me. And all beyond was chaos, blackness, and roaring storm. I tripped over fallen logs and floundered back to my feet. Dropped my lantern and recovered it. Broke through the crusted drifts and struggled for footing. And kept on moving. In the weird nightmare of the blizzard, I could hardly recognize reality when I came face to face with it, when a beam from my lantern touched him crouching by a tree a few yards away. I could barely accept him as being real. He'd been watching my light as I approached, waiting for me. It was Benny Stark with his gun leveled and aimed. (coughs) Don't be a fool, Benny. Drop that gun. A curtain of snow swept between us then, blotting out the sight of them, and I was grateful. I turned and stumbled on into the storm, moving in pitch darkness now, except for the ghostly glow from the snow-covered ground. The second shot had smashed my lantern, and I had nothing left to go by but instinct and luck. And they weren't enough. Within 15 minutes, I was hopelessly lost. That's when I started hearing the music. Miles from no place where there couldn't be any music. Except inside my head. The cold and fatigue were finally doing their work. I knew the signs. The next step was to start wandering in circles, smaller and smaller ones. And the last step, to drop exhausted and go peacefully to sleep. Peacefully and permanently. But the sound kept growing louder. And I moved in the direction it seemed to be coming from. It couldn't be just illusions. It had to be real. Hello! Hello there! Then suddenly, only a few yards away, a brilliant blaze of light exploded from the darkness. And it seemed that a golden-haired girl was standing in the middle of it. And for a moment, my sanity tottered.
3: Who's out there?
2: My golden vision was wearing blue jeans and a flannel shirt and was holding a rifle. She looked exactly like the photograph I'd seen of Kathy O'Dare. And the blaze of light came from an open cabin door.
3: Who is it? Speak up or I'll shoot.
2: Oh, thank you. Hold him, it, Mister. It's Johnny Dollar.
3: Are you getting warm now?
2: I don't think I'll ever get warm again.
3: You will if you don't move away from the stove a little. The back of your shirt is starting to smoke.
2: Yeah, I, I thought I was beginning to feel something... How's the firewood?
3: There's plenty. And plenty of food.
2: And a radio. If I hadn't heard that music, I'd have blundered right on past this cabin.
3: We've got everything. We can hold out for a month if we have to. I hope we have to.
2: What about your daughter? Is she
3: all right? Sure. She's fine. It's a picnic for her, a camping trip. She's sound asleep back there in the lean-to. Dreaming about Santa Claus, I suppose. I wish I could. How did you find
2: me, Mr. Dollar? Oh, hunch. Guesswork. I was born under a lucky star. I
3: wasn't.
2: Oh, I don't know. I think you've been pretty lucky, considering everything. More so than your landlady back in New York.
3: Mrs. Gratler? What do you mean?
2: Betty Stark went to see her. Tried to find out where you were. When she wouldn't tell him, he broke her arm. Oh, no. Oh, the
3: poor woman.
2: Oh, it's a rough game, Miss O'Dare. Trying to play it cozy with a mobster like Nick Sheeran. You know, of course, that he sent Benny here to find you.
3: You'll have a hard time finding me in this place.
2: He did find you. What? Maybe he followed you from the house or saw you drive through town. Anyway, I ran into him back down the trailerways.
3: I thought I heard shooting a while ago.
2: You did. He tried to ambush me. He thought he had the drop and he wouldn't give up. I had to kill him.
0: be another intriguing episode in our story of the Nick Shurn Matter tomorrow. Tomorrow, the showdown. Victory, and then disaster. When a visitor to the
2: little town of Brambury turns out to be death. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.